I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Ever snore so loud it registered as an earthquake or you woke up with a throat as dry as the Sahara Desert and a headache that could stop a locomotive? Well, I've had all of these because I have sleep apnea. Hi, I'm Scott Mitchell. Yep, I wear a machine plugged into a wall attached to a hose every night. Sound Sleep Medical changed all of this for me, and they can do that for you. They specialize in providing oral appliance therapy for individuals suffering from sleep disorders. In many cases, oral appliances have proven to be as effective as CPAP machines in treating sleep apnea. The lack of sleep is a serious health risk and has been linked to heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and even depression. The oral appliance I got from Sound Sleep Medical has freed me from a hose. I can go anywhere, and I've never slept better. Call Sound Sleep Medical today. Seriously, for a limited time, the first 25 people that call get a free consultation worth 200 bucks. Call 801-783-5451. It's 801-783-5451. Hello, I'm Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. And this is Dinner Table Politics. And we're looking around at the political landscape here. And as we look at what's happening nationally, I think we ought to spend a little bit of time about what's happening in our own backyard. We are here near the end of the Utah legislative session in which your sister is participating. I'm just glad that means winter's almost over because I'm just sick of this. Well, it's disgusting. Are you sick of it because of the cold or because of the politics? Both. Both. Yes, I can fully understand that. Well, yeah, Eliza's been up on the hill. She's been serving as an intern for the Senate president. So she's in the thick of it up there. But there are a lot of things that are happening that I think uh, are not getting talked about as much, I think, as they should be. One is there's a bill that uh, has come through committee that would end the practice in the state of Utah of straight party voting. Are you familiar with straight party voting? That's when you can just bubble in a little thing that says, I want to vote all Republican or all Democrat, right? Right, right. Um, That used to be a fairly common practice 30, 40 years ago. But states, by and large, have started getting rid of it, recognizing that it doesn't make a lot of sense. And right now, how many states do you think practice straight party voting? or allow Thirteen. Less or fewer? Twelve. Uh, I don't want to count down until we get to eight, which is the the actual number. There are eight states, and by the end of next year, there will only be seven seven states. Because this is going to pass? No, because the state of Texas has already gotten rid of straight party voting. So it's not going to pass in Utah? It might pass in Utah. Why wouldn't it? Well, I, I think Republicans really appreciate 
straight party voting because it gives them an edge in a way that they don't necessarily deserve. Oh, boy. Uh, in the United Utah Party, for instance, we had a number of races where um, United Utah Party candidates and Republican candidates were essentially the only ones in the race right. besides the other minor candidates. Right. And in those races, in in the Senate District 9 race, that's our Senate district, Alexander Castaño, who was the United Utah Party candidate, got 39% of the vote. Right. Well, the Republican... 15% of the vote that the Republican got were straight party voting. That's crazy. Just, just they can, they can tell that? They can tell? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so if that had changed, it would be very likely that... The thing those, is, people are lazy and that will never change. So, I don't know. It's a losing battle. I well, feel. even when I was as Republican as it could possibly be, and I r- couldn't even imagine... I remember for- you wearing your Ronald Reagan shirt to the store... Just on a normal Tuesday. What was wrong with that shirt? Is, who wears a shirt with a dead president? It's so weird. Like, I would never wear, like... Any... You gave me a Bernie Sanders shirt. Yeah, as a joke. Also, he's not president. <laughs> he's never going to be president. Oh, well, that's something we can talk about. And I think that's something we probably will talk about. But looking at this, uh, when I was a Republican, rock-ribbed and couldn't even imagine voting for a Democrat, I also would look at that straight-party voting option and think, how stupid is that? I want to go in and demonstrate my um, my support for each one of these candidates individually. You're so brave and I'm strong. So, <laughs> I'm so brave and strong. But straight party voting blows up in people's faces for a number of different reasons in different circumstances. And there was actually one that applied to me directly back in 2004. I was one of three campaign managers for Ellis Ivory. Ellis Ivory was running for county mayor. and Oh, he's the guy that does all the real estate billboards, right? Uh, I, it's his son now that's running the company, okay. Clark it's Ivory. Like, it's like Ivory Homes or something. Right. Clark Ivory is now running Ivory Homes. The Ivory family is a wonderful family, and I really gained a great deal of respect for Ellis and for his children back um, when I was – one of the three campaign managers. That's a cute name, Ellis. Ellis. I'm going to add that to my note on my phone where I just keep a running list of names I like. Well, he actually... For future to, children and or pets. Well, he actually used to complain about the fact that he thought it was a girl's name. Yeah, I'm going to put it on my girl's name list. You have a cousin named Alice Bennett. Did you know that? Yeah. It's a cute name. Yeah. Bruce Bennett's daughter is Alice Bennett. So there it is. Great. Very nice. It doesn't matter. So Ellis Ivory was running for county mayor, and this was in a time when Nancy Workman, who was a Republican and it was the incumbent county mayor, was um, had been arrested, actually. There's a mugshot of Nancy Workman because she'd been arrested and accused of funneling money from the county to the Boys and Girls Club that Why? her daughter was running. Oh, and, nice. Well, and she kidding. was that sucks. Well, and, and it did suck because it wasn't true. And she was completely exonerated. Oh, what? Yeah. But she did get arrested and she got in trouble. And and that happened right before the election. And so she was tainted and she was damaged by that. And she didn't get cleared until after the election. So it really isn't fair to Nancy Workman. And I have great respect for Nancy Workman. I think she's a wonderful lady. Why would you, why would you need to funnel money to the Boys and Girls Club? Like they are like a charity. Like I don't know. Well, you... That's like funneling money to the YMCA, you know? That's just weird. Well, some of this is happening with AOC, actually, because her partner that she calls her husband 
is now being accused of okay. having money funneled okay. through her Save campaign. Save the AOC bashing You don't want to get into the AOC day. bashing for another day. Anyway, I'm just giving you the historical background. Nancy Workman, she was damaged, and, and she was going to lose. And the Republicans were, were paranoid because the, they, they didn't want to lose that, the county mayorship as a result of this kind of scandal. And so they turned to Ellis Ivory, and Ellis Ivory was going to run a write-in campaign. And write-in campaigns are extraordinarily difficult to win. Right. Because you have to write the name. Because you have to write the name. that's hard to spell. That's right. Things. That's right. Nancy Workman's name was going to be on the ballot, but Ellis Ivory was essentially the Republican nominee. Uh, I mean, he was the one the Republicans were backing. And, but his name wasn't going to be on the ballot. And so, it, and so we were very worried because a straight party vote meant that Republicans would be voting for a candidate that was going to lose. And anybody that just pressed the button and said, I'm voting straight Republican, would not be voting for the only viable Republican candidate that was in the race. Now, this gets messy at this point, though, because the law was such that in order for Ellis Ivory to get on the ballot, Nancy Workman had to drop out of the race for health reasons. And so she got a doctor's note that said that this would do damage to her health if she stayed in the race. And I have can't-run-in-the-race-itis. That's right. And that's essentially what she was accused of. And it's contagious. Right. And, and so Ellis Ivory ended up getting on the ballot, and he ended up losing. Oh. I think largely because of everybody thinking this was kind of untoward for Nancy Workman to drop out that way. Right. But we were excited because he was on the ballot, and we would get all of the straight-party votes. And so we knew that there was no way we could win if we didn't get all those straight-party votes. Although it's interesting now that we haven't had a Republican county mayor since Nancy Workman. After Peter Caroon won that election in 2004, he served another term, maybe two more terms. Maybe she cursed it, like when Voldemort didn't get the Defense Against the Dark Arts position. Right, that's exactly what it is. I think it's the same kind of idea. So you think that the county mayor position is cursed for Republicans? Yes. Well. At least I'd like to think so. Well, straight party voting is really, I think, damaging to the Democratic Party because there are a number of races in the state of Utah where there isn't a Democrat on the ballot. So, for instance, I vote for United Utah Party candidates, but there are a number of races where the United Utah Party isn't on the ballot. Yeah. And I have the option of voting straight United Utah Party, but that's just me punting on all the races where we don't have a candidate. Yeah. That doesn't make a lot of sense. So Richard Davis, the chair of the United Utah Party, testified on Capitol Hill and talked about the problems with straight party voting. And there, there, there's another story. There was a guy down on the county council in Provo who was a Republican. This is already going to be so good, I can tell. Are you excited? I'm so stoked. To Republican guy on the county council, and there were domestic violence accusations made against him right hmm. before the election. Hmm. And people were kind of disgusted with him and called on him to step out and Rightfully step down. Rightfully so, I would say. Right. And he didn't step down. Hmm. And he won largely because hmm. of straight party voting. So he just finished his term this last year and 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 Republicans who were not happy about it, the fact that they just voted straight party meant that they were voting for a candidate that that, that the party didn't even support anymore. So cool. it's just not cool, a good cool, idea. Cool, 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 cool. So there are some good ideas that are coming out of the legislature, and there are maybe some not-so-good ideas. 
and we want to talk about a few more of those when we get back from our break. So I'm in the Tabernacle Choir. I've told you congrats. that before. Thank yes. you very much. Not my first time hearing this. Not my first time hearing this. Still congrats. I'm in the Tabernacle Choir with a guy who is doing some work up on Capitol Hill. And he's talking about secret tax bills and tax reform. Secret? Yeah. That the legislature isn't isn't really going to unveil until the last minute. And then all of us are going to be amazed at what's happening. Secret secrets are no fun. Secret secrets hurt someone. That's that's profound. Yeah, that's it. You made uh, that up yourself, right? No. The stripper on that one episode of The Office said that. What? The episode where Phyllis and, and Bob are getting married and they do a bachelorette party for her. Oh. And a bachelor party for Bob. Is that the same one when Benjamin Franklin shows up? Yeah. And Jim hires him. Right. And Dwight says, I'm 99% sure that's not the yeah. real Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, and Michael goes, at, goes and asks if he should tell his girlfriend that the stripper danced on him and the stripper gives him that advice and then ben franklin says uh no the women the lady folk are too delicate for that oh this is this is and that is your synopsis of that episode of the office that's great i think brought to you by me i think people were waiting to hear that i think that's very very helpful so one of the problems with the way the legislature does business is that they create what they call boxcar bills that is they create a bill that just has a name on it and the bill has no content to it. So so at the very last minute, they can fill in the content so that it can be voted on and without much debate and without the public even knowing about it. That seems weird. It is weird, and it's actually... And why is it called a boxcar? Are boxcars often empty? Yeah, sure they are. But they're often full as well. Well, yes, but you create the boxcar, and then you can fill it up later. That's the idea is that you're creating the boxcar and then the train leaves when you fill it up I right would, at the last minute. I would minute. name it something else like illusion bills oh, okay. or like, I don't know, disappearing something. Disappearing something. So the United States Congress isn't allowed to do that. That's a level of a lack of transparency that even Congress doesn't have. So if That's we can't, shocking. Yeah, if we can't rise ourselves up to the same level that Congress is at, I think that that's uh, that doesn't speak well for our state. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. So the big controversy, of course, is what they did with Proposition Three, and what they've done with Proposition Two, and we've talked about that on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, but the thing we're nervous about now is, are they going to do the same thing to Proposition 4? Do you know Proposition 4? Um, that one, that wasn't wasn't the gerrymandering one. That, that is was, the gerrymandering that is, one. What was 3 then? 3 was uh, Medicaid expansion. And 2 was weed? 2 was weed, oh, okay. yes. Medical marijuana. I'm trying ganja? To, ganja? No. The, the ganja bill. Ganja initiative. So they're talking about changing Proposition 4 after the fact. And they're also talking about changing the initiative process itself, making it more difficult for initiatives to get on the ballot. Very cool, guys. Love that. It Love just, that. Keep up the good it work. It just isn't cool. I mean, It was sarcasm in my tone. That was what I was trying to convey. I understand that. Fifty years ago, Utah had the highest voter participation rate in the country. We're now in the bottom 10%. And I th- what changed? What changed are two different things. One, women got more educated. 
Yes. And I was going to make that sound because, no, that's sarcasm. It has nothing to do with the education of women. Although Utah was on the forefront of women's voting rights, women's suffrage. So, you know. Yeah, yeah because they wanted us to, I say us. I was not alive then. They wanted them to vote in favor of polygamy. So they let all the wives vote. Well, was polygamy ever really on the ballot? I don't think it was. Well, in case it was. I, I read somewhere that's what the reason why they did it, mostly. Well, we should probably do a podcast on that. That might be interesting. I just want to say Utah gave women the right to vote before anybody else, and that's a great thing. Yeah. Actually, Wyoming was the first place to give women the right to vote. But we messed up in a lot of other spheres, I would argue. Well, we can get into some of that. But... Uh, I think two things happened. One, the caucus system made it so that fewer and fewer people had the power to be able to determine who the candidates were. Most of the major decisions about who the the candidates are going to be are made in Republican conventions and by a handful of people in these caucuses. And so once that happens, most voters turn at it and say, well, you know, I can't vote for the Democrat and whoever came out of the caucus is pretty much who's going to win. That's what happened in 2010 when my father lost. That stinks. It Ugh. does. And that was the inspiration. Democracy. That was the inspiration for Count My Vote, which never got onto the ballot, but was gaining so much momentum that the legislature tried to sort of stop it with SB 54. We talked about SB 54. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, that allows for people to bypass the caucuses by getting signatures and getting on the primary ballot directly. Right. And the legislature, ever since that has passed, has been going out of its way to try to find ways to get rid of it. The Republican Party has been suing and dug itself into a $500,000 financial pit. Why, though? Like, they're not bad people. Like, I... It... it it sounds like they're this crazy, evil, genius, not genius, but... Stupid evil? I, it's so weird. I don't understand. Like, what is the purpose of, of all that? Well... What do they have against fair and open elections? Well, I don't think if you were to talk to them, they'd say, well, we oppose fair and open elections. Oh, of course not. Yeah. When you talk to... Def- they would have an evil laugh afterwards. Ha, 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 When you talk to defenders of the caucus system... They insist that delegates who get up and get motivated to become elected delegates to the, to the convention are better informed than the general public. And they also try to say... That, they're smarter than the rest of us. Well, that's exactly... Troglodytes. What, that's exactly what they're saying. These people are smarter. And they also point to the convention process as saying, this allows people without millions of dollars to be able to, to win and to be able to run. The problem with both of those things is that both of them are untrue. Yeah, that is a pretty big problem. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the, the research that has been conducted suggests that delegates to the state convention are far more ideologically rigid and ideologically extreme than the mainstream of the party. In both cases, Republic, Republican delegates are, more far, are far more right-wing than the mainstream of the Republican Party. Democratic delegates are far more left-wing. You've seen the Democratic Party in recent years on a statewide level kind of go off the deep end and nominate people who have absolutely no chance of winning and are way further to the left. I I look at Ben McAdams in the 2nd District, and Ben McAdams gets beaten up 
by Democrats who think he's just not liberal enough. He's not left-wing enough. And I look at the party system or the caucus system and think if SB 54 hadn't been there, would Ben McAdams have been able to win that seat? I think... Well, you kind of see that um, happening everywhere, even like in our own presidential elections. What, the extremes are taking over? Yeah. Well, no, I think that's absolutely true. But the one place where I'd really want to take issue is in this idea that caucuses mean it's less expensive for people to run. That is absolute nonsense because the amount of money that people spend to impress these delegates, particularly before the days of SB 54. They wine and dine them? That's exactly what they do. Oh, I want to be a delegate. When my father ran... I want to be wine and dine. No. When my father ran in 1992, his biggest expense was food because he was buying all these delegates dinner. Wait, really? How do you become a delegate? Because I'm very interested. Now you're interested. In free food. Now you're interested yes. in the free food. Uh, you go to your neighborhood caucus meeting on caucus night. And you fi- I'll show up with a bib and some utensils and say, I'm ready. Right. That's a good plan. Show me who to vote for. I've been a Republican delegate, I think, at least four times, maybe more than that, to the state convention. And when my father ran in 2010, we spent millions of dollars sort of coordinating, getting people to go to their caucus meetings and have enough people to vote for them as delegate that they could, they could just sort of zoom in there and become the Republican delegates. And That's I, crazy. And I did that. And and historically, our caucus meeting in 2010, historically about 25 people come to the caucus meeting. And in 2010, 72 people came to the caucus meeting. I came to that caucus meeting with 14 people who had pledged to vote for me. And I wasn't elected a delegate because I was in favor of Bob Bennett. And the Tea Party movement of 2010 was all about what do we need to do to get rid of Bob Bennett? And so... Were they all wearing the hats, the funny hats? What which hats? The Tea Party hats? Yeah. The the they were not. I want to talk a little bit more about that because I think that's that's instructive about what we're talking about. We'll we'll do that when I get back from our break. All right. So I wasn't elected a delegate when I tried to be a delegate, and I had come under fire right before then because I we had a meeting with Mitt Romney. You know who Mitt Romney is? I've I've heard the name, yes. You've heard the name? Mitt Romney had endorsed my father in 2010. He nominated my father to be a senator in 2010. And he came out for a delegate training meeting. And we had all of these people that came to this delegate training meeting who were all being instructed about how to get elected to be a delegate also, for Bob Bennett. Also, this, this is popped into my head. I feel like delegates, it also cuts, cuts out people who are wor- like working a ton. Because it sounds like you need a ton of time to be a delegate. That's to true. Set aside. That's absolutely like most true. Most people don't have the, like the resources and the time and the ability to just devote all this time just so that they can get someone qualified, elected to office. That's right. Well, the time and energy to, to, to become a delegate does attract the people who are the most devoted and are willing to sacrifice to do it. And they right. tend to be the most ideologically extreme. Right. Right. People who are going about their daily lives don't have the time to devote to be able to do this. But we spent millions of dollars to try to find those people who would support Bob Bennett. And I did a question and answer session at, at this one delegate training meeting. And somebody asked, well, what do I do if my people don't want to support Bob Bennett? And I told a story and I said... Torture what? them. Well, I said, well, one woman came to me... Just kidding. Don't do that. That's illegal. Well, I, 
you're about go to, somewhere where it's legal and that just kidding again you're about to hear me advocate an illegal act okay are you excited okay so i stood up and Kill they them? yes whoa no no nobody's getting killed now come on why are we telling the story then all right <laughs> all right so I stood up and I was answering questions and somebody said, what happens if they don't want to vote for Bob Bennett? And I said, well, somebody told me the story that they're going to just go up there and say they hadn't made up their mind, but they really are secretly going to go in and vote for Bob Bennett. And then I made the mistake of saying, now we'd love it if you did that, but you have to do what your delegates want you to do and you have to be honest. All right. Well, there was somebody in there who was filming. A snitch. And the next day... The screaming headline in all the newspapers was, Jim Bennett is telling delegates to lie for his father. I don't remember that. I would have cut those out, saving for a scrapbook. Oh, I felt so terrible because I was just joking off the cuff, and that's not a good idea. I mean, politics, you can't do that. Joking is illegal. Well, in that same meeting, Mitt Romney said, vote early and vote often, right? In other words, vote multiple times. How dare he and i think there are children (laughs) present mitt and i think everybody there that didn't cause any anybody to roll their eyes or even you know it wasn't mitt romney's encouraging voter fraud but that was kind of what i was trying to do is just sort of be off the cuff and flippant and that came back to bite me jim bennett is telling people to lie on behalf of his father that was one of the worst times of my life just having to deal with that and i had to I thought I had embarrassed Dad, and I, I just really felt bad about that. So what that tells me is, in politics, Dad always used to say, you need to make sure that everything you say, you be comfortable having put on the front page of the New York Times. And everything? Everything. Uh, you can never, ever... Even when I'm talking to my dog? Well, would you be embarrassed to have what you say to your dog put on the front page of the New York well, Times? Well, I guess if it doesn't include like the tone of voice... That they're set in? Maybe oh. not. Oh, okay. I don't know. I call him Hepatitis now, though. That's kind of embarrassing for him because his name's Titus. Well, he doesn't read the front page of the New York Times. Oh, I get... Okay, then print away. So I don't think you have to You're worry You're welcome about for that. the headline. That's right. Hepatitis. I call him Titleist. Like a Titleist golf ball. I did not know that was a thing until now. Yeah, that's very exciting. So that's more than you need to know. So SB 54 is coming under fire. Initiatives are coming under fire. And Proposition 4 is the next big thing, and the whole idea of gerrymandering. So what Proposition 4 does is it allows, the way I like to describe it, is it allows voters to choose their representatives, not representatives to choose their voters. Sounds great. Isn't it, though? And I voted for it. I voted for it as well. And I think the legislature, it's just so amazing to me to watch the legislature do everything it can to try to sort of carve out a district where a Democrat can't win. And they've been doing that ever since Jim Matheson won the second district seats. Jim Matheson was a very conservative Democrat. Yeah. uh, And he won time and time again. And they kept redrawing the district to try to carve Jim Matheson out of it. And Jim Matheson kept winning. And it's bizarre to me when you have congressional districts that have nothing in common with each other. Yeah. I When I ran for office in the third district, my, there are people six blocks away from us who are not in our district. Uh, we live above 7th East in Sandy, and everybody below 7th East in Sandy is in the fourth district. And But my district does include San Juan County, 
all the way down at the bottom in the Four Corners area of the state. Now, what does Sandy and San Juan County have in common? They both start with S. That's about it. That's about it. S-A. S-A-N. S-A-N. Okay. Oh, wow. That's why they did that. We're uncovering a whole lot here. But yes, but San Juan County is a largely rural area, and they've got different needs than Sandy, which is essentially a, a suburban area and almost an urban area. And you look at this and you say, the representative of this area uh, trying to meet both needs, that doesn't make a lot of sense. The representative ought to be somebody in a district that makes sense, not just for partisan purposes. And, and, and now we have Ben McAdams, who still wins as a Democrat. Now, I think he has to be a conservative Democrat to win. But this carving up of the districts. <laughs> Suck so on that. The way Proposition 4 works is that you create this, this independent commission and they make a recommendation and the legislature has to adopt it. Now, the legislature can vote it down and say, oh, well, this is a great independent that commission. seems like a loophole that should have been addressed. Well, and they're trying to create other loopholes in terms of who gets to be on this commission. Because what, what is an actual independent commission? I think... The best way to do it would be the way that we select jurors, right? Randomly? Randomly. But instead, it's going to be felons. this number of party members from this party get to be on it, this number from this party. And, and so it has the potential, particularly if the legislature fiddles with it, to essentially just be this kind of rote, you know, rubber stamp of whatever kind of gerrymandering the legislature cool. wants to I'm do. Cool. I'm so glad I voted. So that's really, really exciting. So... Uh, we've talked a lot about this, and, and when we get back from our break, I want to talk a little bit about these kinds of things on a national level, and, and we'll end with that. So stay tuned. Are you excited? Yep. So whenever I start talking about delegates to the state convention, People outside of Utah don't have any idea how weird and Byzantine the Utah electoral process is, but they do know about what happens to delegates at the national convention. And as we head into 2020, uh, you're seeing a lot of movement, particularly in the Democratic Party, to try to change the convention process that denied Bernie Sanders the nomination two years ago. Uh, back then, the superdelegates we're all pledged to Hillary Clinton. And so, and Hillary Clinton. And remember those days? Do you remember those days when we were all worried crazy. about that? crazy. It was Hillary and Trump. That was wild. That, that happened. And, what a time. And Bernie is running again. He is. And he has raised a tremendous amount of money very quickly. He has. And I think he is doing everything he can to make sure that he isn't sucker punched by the delegate process. How the way old he was. is he? I think he's 78. Maybe That's, 79. That is, may I say, very old. Uh, it doesn't seem very old to me anymore, but I'm 50. Well, I, like it's not, I don't, he looks old. I don't he know, does. like, he does I, look old. I, I know tons of like 70, I don't know, that's a weird thing to say. I don't know tons of 70 year olds, but he seems like he's been alive since the beginning of time, since like Moses got the Ten Commandments. Right. Like he was right there next to him. Uh, he, I mean, he could be Moses, couldn't he? He looks like he would look good with a couple of tablets. Is that why up. his hair, like there's no hair in the middle of his head? Yeah, because it's, it's parted. It's parted. 
The Red Sea is the top of Bernie's scalp. Gross. Uh, I guess, sorry. I, maybe we should take that out. But I, <laughs> I, I look at this, and Bernie is is doing everything he can to make sure that he isn't burned by this process the he way he does. He isn't burned. He isn't burned. Uh. I wasn't even thinking of a pun there. But it is interesting that we're willing to consider a man that old. Back when Ronald Reagan ran, he was going to be 69 at his first term. <laughs> And that's everybody funny. thought that's, that's too old. Number. He was the oldest man elected president before Donald Trump. And now, well, that's, I guess, yeah, Donald's pretty old, too. Donald is 74? I'm sounding very ageist. I love old people. They're great. Right. But, but Bernie's been around for such a long time. In, like, not even joking. Like, just in politics. He has been around for so long. So long. He has. And he, Joe Biden is 77 years old. And yeah, but he's going to live forever. Joe Biden? Yeah. Well, I would very much like Joe Biden to win the nomination. I don't think he will. I don't know who's going to win the nomination. And nobody does. Anybody that tells you they do is is not telling you the truth. But Or they're an idiot. Or they're an idiot. But I think Or Ber- both. They're Ber- not mutually exclusive. I think Bernie is much savvier this time around. But to be fair to Hillary Clinton, it is not true to say that she stole the nomination from Bernie, which has kind of become the narrative in the last couple of years. Yeah. Because she won a majority of the delegates and the majority of the superdelegates. Yeah. And so... I'm saying that like I, like I know what a superdelegate is. Candidates choose a slate of delegates. Who came up with this garbage? This is... It's a mess. It's a big, clumsy mess. Who can I talk to? George uh, Washington? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I have some complaints for a manager somewhere. All right. Well, I, George Washington did not want to have political parties. John Adams made a statement that political parties would be the destruction of the nation. So I can't quote it to you directly, but the reality is that was not something these guys wanted or anticipated. And it's something that's just happened. They just wanted to hang out on their plantations with their slaves like everybody else. Right, right. Well, we'll probably have to get into the ins and outs of that at a later podcast. But these are issues that have long been with us and will continue to be with us. And as long as they are there, we will be here to cover them. Are you excited? Mostly bummed out after this. (laughs) My spirit has been broken. Well. Congrats, Utah legislature. You won. Are you happy? There you go. Well, if your spirit is broken, or even if it isn't, and if you're listening to this on the radio, right, but be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it at the KSL Podcast Center. And until then, this is Jim Bennett. I'm Abby Bennett. We'll see you next time on Dinner Table Politics. Bye.